Welcome to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. In episode 25, I interview my friend Kellen Milad, a primal movement coach. I met Kellen a little over a year and a half ago, and one thing that really stuck out to me about him was how much he respected individuality, which is something that I deeply believe in too. Everyone moves a little bit differently in their training, style, and also just through life. So when I happened to stumble across his page, I was going through a period of time where I was very burnt out of following a structured program to reach a goal. I was craving more of an intuitive style of movement to follow what my body wanted to do that day. And it was very liberating and healing to be able to go into the gym and explore and stay curious and tap into a softer side of myself that I hadn't really dug very deeply into. So if that sounds like something that you could use in your life, I highly recommend checking out Kellen's YouTube videos or his online platform, which we'll touch on in this episode, so that you can gain some new perspectives and just be a little bit more open-minded of what movement has to teach you. Kellen shares his style of training, how he goes about programming for clients. He gives some advice for new and aspiring coaches as well as athletes. So definitely give this one a listen all the way through and enjoy the show. All right. Welcome to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast, Kellen. Uh, So glad to be here. Yeah. Awesome to uh, have you today. I'm really excited to, you know, have the opportunity to dive deeper into your story of your athletic pursuits, entrepreneurship, and just everything that's led you to finding your voice and kind of carving your own path in, in life. (laughs) Awesome. So I want to begin with, um, your company name, Movement Parallels Life. Can you explain a little bit more about where that came from? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so my background is actually in psychology. Um, I went to grad school for counseling and uh, that was a two-year program. And pretty early on in that, I um, it, it was strange because I felt really... I felt like I was in the right place in some ways and then in other ways not. I felt really compelled to help people, but um, kind of getting exposed to what working as a therapist would be like and also kind of getting to understand how people, you know, um, uh, some of the common misconceptions around uh, therapy and mental health. It also Mm -hmm. kind of led me to... I started asking some questions about whether I wanted to go to that, that career route. Um, so anyway, I finished the program and it was, it, it was great. And I learned some valuable skills, but I pivoted into the fitness industry. And my intention was always to find the link between uh, physical health and well-being and mental health and well-being and really make that more um, more direct, more explicit and a central part of, of my work and my philosophy as a fitness coach. So 
uh, it was years in the making, kind of putting this all together. But that's basically the story behind Movement Parallels Life. Um, this idea that the ways that we move and and um, really just have a, a big influence on how we show up in the world and and how we live. So uh, I, I like to think that this all this movement stuff and physical fitness is really just an extension of our mental health. Um, and it's all a part of this holistic picture of uh, mind, body, soul, well-being. Yeah, that's awesome. I can totally understand that because I think as a movement practitioner myself, the way that I see fitness and movement kind of dictates how I approach it. And then how I go through my movement practice or my training sessions, whatever, kind of then can have an effect of how I see the world too. So they kind of are like intertwined, if you will. Absolutely. I was experiencing the same thing. Um, especially as I started to get more away from traditional uh, forms of fitness and start getting more into primal natural movements, uh, my, um, it felt like a better fit for me and my approach to life, my approach to relationships and work and even just how I see the world uh, started to change based on, you know, just starting to, to move different ways and, um, and, and create some new values in terms of exercise and fitness. Yeah. Yeah. So can you dive a little deeper into like, how, like, when did you really start to fall in love with fitness? Was it due to like sports that you were involved in growing up or was it kind of like you needed something fresh after studying psychology or where did that derive from? Um, it started at a really young age. Uh, I think like, like I was a very active kid and I loved to, to move. Um, but where I first fell in love with fitness was I was probably like 13 or 14 years old. Uh, I was a little overweight as a kid and, you know, I got teased and I was really self-conscious about it. And then after my freshman year of high school, that's when I started, um, and of doing purposeful exercise and fitness activities. I was running every day. I was uh, going to the weight room and I didn't know what I was doing, but I was just kind of figuring it out. Uh, but I dropped about 25, 30 pounds that summer. And I went back to school, just like a new person, new body, new sense of confidence. Um, and that's really when I was hooked on, on fitness, seeing that I could have a direct impact on, you know, changing my body. And if I wanted to see some changes in my life that I could be, um, that I could, I could control some of those, um, some of those things. And I had a, a, a sense of, of empowerment. So I was hooked on fitness from then on. And it was always a part of my life through high rest of high school, through college and, and after. Gotcha. So your first introductions, or maybe not first introductions, but when you started like a dedicated practice, it was more those traditional routes of going in the weight room, just running outside. But throughout the years, you've kind of made it your own. So was there like a distinct time you can remember being like, I don't want to go like the traditional routes anymore. And like, I'm curious about this, like primal movement, natural movement, or was it kind of like a long evolution? It was a slow evolution. Um, when I started, like I said, I didn't know what I was doing. 
uh, I was playing sports and um, I wasn't, this was before the internet, and I, I wasn't subject to all of these different, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. Mm. It was just like, you know, I was keeping it as simple as possible and I was just doing it for, for me. Um, and then as I, as the years passed, uh, I obviously started learning more, uh, started learning about different approaches. And I think that was good. But then at the same time, you also start overcomplicating um, the, the approach sometimes. And so after years and years of that, gaining more knowledge, exploring different, you know, ways of training and, and eating and, and healthy living, um, it, it, it almost started to weigh on me. It had almost started to become like baggage where um, it was just like all these different things to keep track of and trying to be, um, you know, kind of some perfectionistic tendencies in there. And it, it, and it just became very complicated and very bulky. And I remember hitting a point when I, a few years into actually transitioning formally into the fitness industry, where I just got burnt out on it. I was just all the joy that I had experienced when I started and when I was a kid, that was gone. And it was just mm -hmm. hardcore. It was all about business. It was all about looking a certain way or performing a certain way. And it was stressful. There was no, there was no more joy in it. So that was a build up to that point. And then there was a conscious decision to kind of pause, press the pause button and say, I need to reevaluate this and I need to find a way to make this fun again, to make this joyful again, to not have my fitness and my physical fitness be stressing me out because that's what was yeah. happening. And it was a process again to, to change that narrative and, and kind of reverse the, the, the hole that I had dug myself into. But yeah, there was a turning point. And I, I vividly remember one day I was working um, at a high-end gym, you know, a lot of pressure to sell personal training mm -hmm. and get clients and all that. And a lot of competition amongst the trainers. It was just like, the days weren't fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I just remember like, it kind of hit me one day. It's like, I need to go out. There was a park and a playground out behind the club. And I was like, I need to go out there and I need to train. I need to get out of this atmosphere. I need to mm -hmm. change the space that I'm in to create a new perspective. So I just went on the playground, didn't have a plan, just, you know, brought a few pieces of equipment and used what was around me. And I had fun. I had the best workout um, mm. without having it written down, without having sets and reps, without having a goal. And that's when I knew I was like, there's something to this. Like I can make this more, I can make this fun again and I can make it more intuitive and have it flow and work for, work for my body a little bit better. Mm, yeah. I think that's so important. Like um, I can resonate because I come from a powerlifting background and there was times where it becomes more like work and a chore rather than this thing that you once went to as a hobby as something you're going to kind of like relax and let go and enjoy a little bit. So it's interesting to kind of hear about that evolution because I'm sure there's so many people who have gotten into fitness, probably listeners here who, you know, went the athletic route and then it just became more like a job instead of something that they once found joy in. Um, 
And you're right. There's something about being outdoors and kind of like letting go a little bit and just like connecting to something bigger than you, if you will, that like really brings you into that like mind, body, soul experience that sometimes you may not feel when you're in the gym, if you're just so focused on like doing the next thing, doing the next thing, focusing more on like quantity rather than quality of the experience and being like really here in the now type of feeling. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, you, you, you asked about the name of my brand movement parallels life, you know, a big part of that is uh, it was inspired by the fact that through my evolution and movement and my, the changes in my practice, I was learning all these life lessons. And that was a big one that this idea that, um, you know, workouts can, it, you don't need to, to micromanage every piece of them. Mm -hmm. And much like life, there are things that you can control, but there are a myriad of factors that you are, are out of your control. And so training outside and getting used to not having a perfect workout really started to help me to understand and embrace the idea of adaptability. And I think that's one of the mm. most important life lessons that we can have because, you know, uh, we can have a plan, but, you know, life is always happening. It's always throwing us curveballs, and we've got to be able to, uh, you know, understand what's happening in the moment and adapt accordingly. And that's one of the things that I really embrace in, in my practice and what getting outside is, is you know, it's part of the, the underlying benefits there. Mm, yeah, that's super interesting. Like, just speaking from experience of a power lifter, they're very particular about like, what type of bar am I going to use? Is the platform going to be, you know, exactly how I want and like trying to control mm -hmm. all these factors, which is fine for the sport. But yeah, exactly. it's, it's definitely just a different perspective to put yourself in those situations where you don't have control every over every little thing. And how do you respond in those types of situations? So I think that's super helpful. Um, speaking into, I know you are like a huge advocate of bringing play into your movement practice, which is kind of what you've been alluding to here. Um, it sounds like that was part of the natural evolution of like just getting to a point where it was so stressful, uh, trying to like pre-plan every little thing. So is that the reason behind play being like a big message of your brand or is there anything else that kind of led to that? Uh, I, I really believe that play is a basic human need that um, we, it, it's just such an essential, uh, the part of the human experience. It, 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 and you could even look at that through the lens of just, just pure learning. Um, and that's why we play as kids. It's our way to kind of make, navigate the world around us and, um, and, and figure out how to be in different situations. So, you know, we, we play is like the process of simulating situations um, so we can figure it out. Um, and within play it allows us to experiment with different ways of being different strategies um it allows us to tap into our creativity and you know focus on you know figure out how we can best solve 
problems or situations that are put in front of us. So, you know, we, we often think of play or we see it at a, on a, a, the surface level as just something that's kind of frivolous or something mm-hmm. that kids do because mm-hmm. they don't have to worry about careers or yeah. paying bills or anything like that yet. But you know, if you look at it from the perspective of play is how we learn to navigate the, the life and the world around us. Um, it, 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 it becomes easier to see that although play will change and evolve as we mature and, and, and grow, uh, play is still very much an important part of the human experience. So uh, I found that just by virtue of who I am and my story that um, I, I didn't always feel like the traditional pathways in, in school and in work were a great fit for me. Um, and, you know, I just felt like I needed something. I, I really missed play. I really missed um, so many different aspects of, of, of what that can mean in my, not just my fitness, but in my personal professional life as, as well. So um, I really think that, that it, for me, that came out of a need. I was just mm. yearning to, to get outside <laughs> the box and play. And the, the, the more I bring this topic up on, you know, my social media content and, and the work that I do, I hear that echoed in other people because mm. we've all got such busy lives. We're just, we've got so many responsibilities and so many things to keep track of. And oftentimes we, you know, we, 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 maybe we blow off steam with a good workout or going out partying or, or just like collapsing on the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's something about returning to the activities that really light us up mm-hmm. as individuals. There's, it's not just, you know, kind of the bare minimum recovery between work intervals. It's about restoring and rejuvenating yourself on a mental and emotional, maybe even a spiritual level. So I hear that when people start moving in ways that remind them what it was like to be a kid and remind them what it's like to get back to play, just how um, it's almost like we don't realize it until we get a taste of it again, just how Mm -hmm. powerful that can be. So uh, I, I share that message because everything out there for the most part is work, 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 grind, grind, grind. You know, you got to be dedicated. You got to be disciplined. You got to use willpower. You got to be hustling all the time. And I don't have a problem with that other than if that's, if those are the only messages that we hear, that conversation really gets out of balance. And I want people to know that, yes, you want to hustle hard and you want to be dedicated and be disciplined. But on the other side of that, understand that discipline and willpower are finite resources. Mm -hmm. And we also need to restore and rejuvenate ourselves through rest um, and not just sleep and or doing nothing, but being able to engage in recreation activities that 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 promote creativity and innovation and bring us to life so we can bring our full presence and uh, you know the the best that we have to 
uh, those those to our work or to that the the grind that we're we're on at the time. So I think play is a necessary message to balance out all the 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 the, the messages we get to work yeah. uh, all the time. Yeah, especially in the fitness industry, it's so much you hear work and grind, and yeah, if you're trying to you know, progress in a skill, there is going to be hours that you put in of practice to reach that level. But play to me, and you've probably heard this reflected, it's just like seeing things anew. I I love the word like experimental and like exploring. And it's really just like what, like seeing what's actually there rather than kind of projecting what you want to be there or like going into it, you know, with something in mind already of like what workout you're going to do for the day. It's just showing up and being fully in your body of like, okay, what does my body need today? Or how can I, yeah, explore to just try something new and and navigate this workout a little bit differently than um, what was supposed to be on paper of what I was going to do type of thing. Right. Right. Uh, I, I love that tapping into the creativity of things. And a lot of people, you know, it's, I think a, a lot of people have that creative energy or, you know, um, maybe a, 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 an artistic identity, um, even if they're, it, it's not yet at the surface in, mm-hmm. it, and play and really embracing creativity can be huge for people like that. And, and I also know that there are people out there who are more analytical, logical thinkers. And I still think that there's a lot of value in play, exploration and experimentation for that type of individual as well. And, and I think for me, it comes down to innovation. So, you know, can you, can you think outside the box? Can you find uh, novel strategies for solving you know, solving big problems in whatever industry that you're in. And the way I see it is, you know, creativity and artistic expression, these things, um, they just need to be practiced. Mm -hmm. They, they, um, so it's, uh, it's just a matter of if you want to bring that into your fitness, something that you probably want to do anyway, to ensure your physical health and well-being, then, you can just kind of start stacking some value on that time that you're going to spend working out. If you also start to infuse that time with uh, some creativity and exploration, then you're also getting some additional benefits that are going to support you in other aspects of your life. Yeah. So when you, do you do one-on-one sessions with clients or do you just offer like programs for people? I go back and forth um, okay. with the with the pandemic that kind of shifted me towards towards purely content creation. But I do mm. I do keep a few clients and teach a few classes and um, definitely keep room in my schedule for for coaching. But yeah, yeah. So let's just say, like hypothetically, one of our, our listeners is like, okay, I spend five days a week in the gym and I follow just a program I found on, on Reddit for lifting, what, how would you recommend to them to start getting into, you know, bringing those elements of play and creativity and exploration, like into 
their training to kind of like broaden the horizons a little bit? Yeah, um, I guess I start out with, I always think that it's when, when you're starting out with learning any, anything new, um, it's easiest to start with compartmentalization. And then I think over the course of time, you can start blurring the lines and becoming a little bit more intuitive. But for beginners, I would say, follow your program and, and have your, let's say it's a strength training program and you're training three days a week. So follow your structured training three days a week over the course of months, years, you're going to start to get comfortable with how that routine works. And you'll naturally start to be able to, to play with those things a little bit more, feel confident making tweaks and changes on your own. Um, and I'd say because rest is so important to this whole process of creating physical change. So you, you can't hit the weights hard Monday through Friday. Um, but if you're training Monday, Wednesday, Friday, then on those off days, uh, then I would just suggest let that be open to, you know, take this idea of active rest and be open to what that can be and start out with an activity that you, that, that brings you joy, that you love. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's something, you know, like a, a sport or a, a hiking, dance, gardening, some kind of physical activity that's not training related. Um, and that's a great place to start exploring and start welcoming play because you've got an activity that brings you joy inherently and maybe you can start uh you know if it's it it's gardening for for example um you that's a phys that's a physical task so you can start seeing like oh like i'm down in the ground digging in the dirt like this is a chance for me to kind of work on my mobility and explore these different i was doing barbed barbell back squats, you know, in my, on my leg day workout. And now I'm, you know, working on my hip mobility down in the dirt, you know, digging or, um, you know, finding a link between whatever your fitness routine is and the activities that you love. Um, you know, hiking is another great example, you know, how many different ways, how many different types of movement or, or challenges can you come up going going on a hike, you know, you've got, you've got stepping, maybe climbing over things, vaulting, maybe lifting and carrying objects, things like that. So we can start to make a link between your exercise and the things that happen in the gym with the, you know, the, the activities that are actually getting you out in the world, living your life. Mm, yeah, that's awesome. Um, is that kind of like how you navigated that path? Um, for me, it was, I, just as I was, I kind of talked about needing to get out of the gym and needing to have a different, different energy behind my fitness. Mm -hmm. Um, as soon as I started asking those questions, um, life kind of, you know, threw me this opportunity to start teaching natural movement. So mm. all of a sudden I was, you know, in front of groups of people teaching them how to crawl and balance, climb, jump, throw and catch and do all these things again. So I had to immerse myself in it. And uh. once I, because I had been needing 
needing that play and needing that type of energy. All I really needed to know was I kind of just needed to be given it permission to do it. Hmm. And all it took was making this mental connection that, oh, things that the ways that I moved as a kid and the, all the, uh, the outdoors playing and all this movement that I do in the real world has a ton of value to my fitness potentially. And, and my fitness doesn't have to be confined to just being in the gym, just working around sets and reps. And that seems like a really it's like, duh, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. But when you're in it, you're just, we don't, but we don't <laughs> think like that. We don't yeah. think like that at all because yeah. we've created such a culture of fitness and exercise uh, and, and fitness and exercise taking place in designated spaces at designated times and having uh, a set designated form. We stop thinking about all the other hours in the day when we can be moving and promoting health. So it was, it's not a very difficult concept to grasp, Mm -hmm. but because we're taught to think a certain way, we're taught to think about movement a certain way. It's not always the most, um, uh, it, it takes a spark. It takes, takes something to help us make that, that connection. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like the, the cultural and societal, social, all those things that play a factor into how you view fitness. It's like, okay, I'm going to go to work from nine to five, and then I'm going to exercise at the gym from six to seven. And then, you know, that's fitness. Um, But for me, when I started to become a little bit more broad in my movement practice, it was sort of similar to your background. Like I mentioned, like, I was just getting burnt out on powerlifting and I needed more variety. Um, So that led to yoga, but then it was kind of like, okay, well, yoga, they view movement as there's like a deeply spiritual element to it. And that kind of led me to just like get further curious, if you will. And so then I started like going for trail runs outside and just like developing a relationship more with nature and like, you know, climbing over trees and um, moving more in like parks and stuff. And, you know, then I, it led to buying rings and going outside. And that was because of quarantine, actually, we couldn't be in the gyms anymore. So it kind of forced me into that environment. But yeah, it taught me so much being outside and just having my body weight as a tool and not relying on all this additional uh, equipment that you would have inside a gym. And so it was kind of a natural progression for me, but kind of stemmed from that like desire to have more variety in my, in my practice. And um, yeah, it just, it keeps evolving from here to like learn more about martial arts and kind of how they see movement. And, you know, that's a whole different perspective on fitness and then um aerial yoga I have some clients that are into that so it really just helps you to like broaden your horizons of not only how different sports view fitness but then kind of just seeing movement for movement itself instead of like trying to put it in a box Mm -hmm. and just identify as that one thing absolutely yeah. That's what I've, that's what I've found to be kind of the evolution 
is that, um, and I had kind of the same thing. It was um, weightlifting and hardcore and strength. And then I got an injury and then that created just a little bit of space for me to consider yoga. And then I got into yoga and then that created a little bit of space to think about incorporating other things. And then all of a sudden I, where my identity was centered around like strength and being badass, then it was like, oh, like a little bit of space opened up and I could add some different compartments in like yoga. Oh, I can be softer, slower, more mindful. And that led to different boxes, martial arts, dance, um, play. Um, that allowed me to start looking at the different facets of who I am as an individual and, and find ways of moving to express those, those parts mm. of me. And so then as you become aware of this, this huge wide world of movement out there, you've got all these compartments and you think about like strength training and, and, uh, functional training and yoga and athletic training and martial arts and all of these different, uh, pieces. And then after you get enough pieces, then it's like, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed. Like, how do I do all these things? I, there's not enough hours in the day to do everything. And then over the course of time, the evolution goes from all these separate compartments to allowing the lines between those compartments to blur and starting to settle in on your personal practice, the mm -hmm. elements that are that that resonate with you uh, on a on a personal level the most, uh, out of interest and out of personal need, um, and and eventually those the the barriers between those those compartments start to fall away, and it all just becomes movement. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I try to teach um, is a general practice that helps people create, you know, just the foundational level of strength and mobility uh, and, and overall body awareness. So yeah. they can go feel confident going into these different activities or these different modes of movement and feel confident that they can control their body and be safe. Because I know like we, we are still busy. We do still live in a modern world and we do have nine to five jobs and mm -hmm. desks <laughs> and commutes and things like that. Um, maybe you can't go out and do the thing that you really love to do. Let's say it's like rock climbing or something like that. Um, or you can't travel out to go hike in the mountains every, uh, every week, but you can keep your body in good condition to do those things. Um, in a, with, through very simple methods, just, you know, you and your body weight and, and moving around on the ground. So, um, you know, I try to facilitate that, uh, that, that uh, understanding that movement can be a way of life. It can just kind of, it can, it can infiltrate every part of your day from your morning routine to your workout, to your social relationships, to, um, you know, just which, whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And just like helping the general population to understand how to incorporate movement more throughout their day. Like for instance, I used to work in corporate a while back and I would always wear like loose flowy clothes because 
throughout the day, I would want to go down. Fortunately, we had a fitness center. So I could go down there and I could do like some mobility or just kind of like, just move around a little bit um, between like sitting in meetings or just at my desk all day. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if I was at my desk, I could stand up and I could like stretch around between like, you know, seeing clients or whatever. And it's just like those little things make a difference that I try to help clients to understand and like break those uh, norms, I guess, because they're like, well, what if my other coworkers see me like moving in my office? Because it's not generally like accepted to just start doing lunges or whatever in your office. But it's like, these are, these are, you know, if it makes you feel good, then just do it. And like, it will take time to break those like mental barriers of getting over what other people may think of you. But like, if you start showing up differently and you feel good about yourself, then maybe they'll take notice and be like, okay, maybe I'll start doing lunches too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It really, it takes a lot to, to, uh, kind of challenge the, the, the cultural norms and, um, and make decisions based on what's in the best interest of our our body and are the best interest of our health it really takes a lot um and especially when you're when you when you're a beginner it's um you're you're generally taking cues from the people around you you don't want to mm-hmm. be viewed as different or you know do anything that could be uh, perceived as weird because you're already like navigating a new space and don't feel super comfortable or confident and as you get more experience that becomes, you know, you might still be aware that you look weird, but because you know what you're doing and you have an intention and you know that you're doing it because it's what you need to do to take care of yourself. Then it, you know, it doesn't really matter so much. Um, but I really, you know, I understand that for beginners, like it really takes a lot to get over that hump. So you want to, you know, to be able to wear, clothes that allow you to move to be able to have a comfortable private space where you can move and not you know feel like you're being watched or judged Mm -hmm. and to have some just a little bit of guidance that you kind of know that you're on the right track um and these are you know you know all really important parts of making sure um movement is accessible so you can get those reps in to make it a habit yeah Absolutely. So speaking of like going against norms and kind of doing what's in your own best interest, um, as you've navigated like these different paths and kind of developed your own style of movement, do you feel like, well, I I ask this because a lot of listeners, they are athletes themselves trying to, you know, deepen their own training practice or movement practice, whatever you want to call it. But some of these listeners are also people who want to become a coach or are a new coach and are trying to navigate their way. So do you feel like going this like unique direction has been a challenge to like get buy-in from people? Or do you think having more of like a generalized perspective and kind of being able to blur the lines between all these different styles has had like a really positive response from like clients and programs you've written and things like that. Uh, both. <laughs> um, <laughs> there's it, it, for me, it's the challenge has been getting traction because there's no, 
again, when you're new to something, you want to know like, well, what is that? What is it? What's it called? What's it, who, mm. what's it called? Who else is doing it? And what is, was it, what is it about? Um, and again, it's not like I'm the, the, the concepts that I talk about are, are like super complex. They're very easy, simple concepts, but because they're not really embraced by the mainstream, it's, it's, it, they're hard to hear. They're hard mm-hmm. to embrace. It takes time. So that's been difficult. But at the same time, I have a personal connection to the practice. I'm, I, I'm just, I coach from, as an extension of my own journey. So I kind of sensed a void in my life when I, before I started this and I started to, once I started to, um, find a new path and, you know, committed to wandering down it and exploring all these different forms of fun movement and ways, new ways to, to take care of my body and relate to my body. And it's because I chose to walk that path and immerse myself in it that I, I feel allows me now to show up with a message that rings, um, rings true and resonates with a lot of people out there. Um, this, like I said, like at, at the point where I was starting, it was like, I needed like implicit permission to, to mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying to help open the door for other people to give them some ideas. And there's been, um, I've, I've, I've gotten, you know, a lot of positive feedback because of that. So I think for new coaches out there, you know, my best piece of advice is to, um, you know, be the coach that you are coach from your story, coach from your journey, because that's the thing that makes you unmistakable. And that's Mm -hmm. the, that's the biggest impact you could possibly make on another person is, you know, someone who's kind of on the same trajectory as you, but maybe just a few steps back. And, you know, if you can think about your own personal journey and the challenges that you had and the, um, the, the shifts and transformation that you made, you know, if you build your coaching around that, you know, and you, you learn to dial in your messaging and amplify your voice, that's where you're going to be able to have the, the biggest impact. Yeah, that's, so important and i hear you so loud and clear because there's a reason my company is called the pursuit of authenticity (laughs) i think it's like it's a challenge in fitness to find your own way because you know there's all these other coaches ahead of you that have found their own way and so it's like i want to be like so and so because you believe in their methods or their system whatever And that's totally fine. But I think just as you explained, Kellen, it's important to like take the information that they're relaying with a grain of salt or or whatever it may be, but don't lose sight of like your own, all your previous experiences that have made you who you are and create that like unique perspective that you hold because you see things just a little bit differently based on, you know, what makes you you. So that's for sure. For sure. I, I, yeah, that, that I love that word authenticity and, um, movement is such a personal experience. My, one of my biggest, uh, 
gripes with the fitness industry is just how homogenous everything is. Um, and uh, movement is homogenous and it's, you know, confined to us like this is an exercise and this exercise has one form and there's so many aspects of it that are like that that confine the experience and don't really welcome in our individual differences and I think that is just doing a huge disservice to people and preventing people from getting uh, healthier it makes fitness something that's accessible to certain people and, you know, in, inaccessible to others. And it, you know, really creates that, that divide where people say, well, I'm just not a fitness person. So, mm-hmm. th- you know, then they kind of, you know, just continue to, to uh, uh, create unhealthy habits. So I, I really think it's important that fitness in this picture is individualized um, and that we bring some authenticity to it. We bring some personality to it beyond just the homogenous experience of mainstream exercise where everyone is, you know, wearing the same clothes, the same brands, doing the same movements, um, reaching for the same goals and, you know, following the same strategies. And it, it just makes no sense to me, but, um, you know, I, I, it, it's easier to monetize that. It's easier to say, this is the blueprint. This is the way to lose those 20 pounds, or this is the way to, to boost your, your numbers or boost your performance or whatever. But I think beyond that, for, for the average individual out there, movement is, is it's just something that we do to support a, a healthy happy life. Mm-hmm. We don't need to uh, chase elite performance or approval from other people. We have to just do what makes us happy. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the, that's, that's really where I would like to see a shift in the, 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 the world of coaching. Um, again, movement parallels life. And my background as a therapist, I, I came to understand that helping people is about walking with them through the journey and, and, and being in the process with them as they find their own answers. And I want to bring that to the fitness space, that same, that, that same kind of support. Uh, you wouldn't go to a therapist and just expect them to tell you what to do with your life or to give mm. you the answers. Yeah. Um, and, but we go to a personal trainer thinking like, well, give me the magic workout and the diet plan. That's going to make me, you know, it's going to get me to where I want to be. And I think that, that, that's really, you know, simplifying their relationship that it's a back and forth. And it's about, you know, being with that individual to through their different stages and find the strategies and, um, that are, that are best tailored to that person at that mm. point in their journey, knowing that those things are going to change down the line. Yeah. Holding space. <laughs> yeah. So much to all of that. I, I went through a business course and it was totally not how I imagined, but they basically taught us that coaching is like the art of holding space. And, you know, growing up in athletics, it was always, coaching from my perspective was always my coach is telling me what to do. I am like compliant to make sure that I am a team player, help us win the game X, Y, Z, but having your background in therapy and then based on the business course I went through and learning that coaching is not therapy. There's definitely like 
mental health professionals that, you know, sometimes people need that clinical experience. Um, but they're, for just general population, someone who's looking to advance themselves and their movement practice, having that ability to hold space for them and truly be able to like see them and hear them and like feel what they're going through. Like that is, is like the true power. And it takes um, being able to get out of your own way as a coach and being okay with like not having all of the answers because there's sometimes when you are with a client and they run into like, let's use an easy example, someone learning how to track their macros. I can tell you like, okay, here's a guide. You have to weigh your food. You have to track it in this food app, but there's going to be like unique obstacles that that individual faces based on like mindset stuff that comes up. And as a coach, maybe you haven't had someone who has had this uh, obstacle before. And so being able to exactly what you said, like kind of get in the trenches with them use your own experience to, you know, come up with a solution, but also inviting the client to like use, trust their own intuition of like, what do they think is the next best step for them? Like what feels, feels right from their shoes. So um, yeah, that's for the new coaches listening or aspiring coaches, even that's, um, a really powerful tool to be able to utilize. Absolutely, absolutely. We don't have to. Uh, we don't have to have all the answers all the time, but to just be there and to to listen, to be there with uh, questions, and to mm -hmm. hold that space to explore what someone's experiencing, so that they can find clarity, and together you can start to collaborate on you know the strategies that make the most sense um, at, at any given point, you know, that's, that's huge. And, um, you know, there was so much of that. And again, like, I, I know, like, I could have used more of that growing up and, and through sports and in different parts of my development where I needed that guidance. But it seems like we've always got someone telling us what to do and how yeah. to do it. There's a lot fewer uh, spaces out there where we're encouraged to, or we're, we're, we're given the space to learn how to trust our intuition to, and I talk about honing your intuition, because it's not like we, we say that like, oh, just, you know, just, you just have to like, listen to your body, or you just mm -hmm. have to trust yourself, or you just have to be, you just have to be you. Mm -hmm. And like, like, and you know, it's so like, it's so easy. Um, <laughs> but it's always a journey. And, and we need, we need spaces to practice um, and, and, and hone those skills over this, over the course of time. So that's yeah. where it's not, it becomes the, you know, very not sexy answer where, um, <laughs> in, in our culture of instant gratification and mm -hmm. wanting results as quickly as possible. But, you know, I think that anyone who's been through any kind of transformation knows that it does take time and it does, uh, take a period of like fake it till you make it go through the motions. Mm -hmm. Um, but hopefully you've got some guidance along the way there where the dots start to connect and you, you find your groove, you find your flow. And, you know, I think that this is, you know, we try to can, can treat movement the same way. Yeah. And I will say that I think coaches are 
I think the direction is starting to shift kind of in, in the direction that you're wanting it to. And same with myself of like being able to be okay with not having the answers as a coach. And I guess thinking back to 2000, when was that? 14, 15 in the world of powerlifting, it was very much about like, this is the way to do things. And, and kind of, I don't want to say not really taking consideration for mental health, but I mean, that's, that's how I felt at the time it, it wasn't as prominent, but I think just as society has evolved and mental health has become, people have become more aware of mental health, it's leaked into movement in the fitness industry. And so now in 2021, listening to these different companies that have grown into, you know, big powerlifting icons, I guess, um, I hear them and they are taking much more consideration for like, they have sports psychologists that they're actually hiring as part of their powerlifting teams. And so it's just really important for, from an athlete's perspective to have those resources and like understanding the process of behavior change and like how to decrease performance anxiety. I feel like I'm going a little bit off topic of what we were just talking about, but it's just um, the shifts kind of that, that you and I are like wanting to happen. I think we are headed there. It's just going to take time for that information to kind of like get to mainstream and we have more work to do essentially. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so can you tell me about throughout your journey, like two of the big things that we try to steer away from as athletes and as coaches is reducing risk of injury and also reducing risk of burnout. So from an from like a movement or athletic perspective, have you ever faced any like major injuries? And can you explain how you have come back from those or like navigated that essentially? Um, definitely experienced my fair share of injuries. I've been pretty fortunate to have thus far avoided any major surgeries or anything like that. Um, and most of my have not, not competed, uh, competition hasn't really interested me much. So I haven't had, you know, uh, any kind of seasons or competition to, to keep in mind or to, to push hard for. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had a ton of injuries and I, I am very much a believer that, uh, injuries are part of the process that they are an incredible, uh, they, they can be some of our best teachers um, mm-hmm. if we're open to them, that, that when we're faced with an injury, you know, we have an opportunity to learn and to that learning, I think, starts from taking accountability. So a few of my major injuries, um, you know, for me, it was just pressing pause, looking back and, you know, just asking myself, like, what role did you play in this? Like, this injury didn't come out of nowhere. And even injuries that seem to come out of nowhere, there's uh, um, 
there's usually if we can we can look at it, we can zoom out or trace back the line of a sequence of events. There was something in there that was overlooked mm-hmm. that we could have changed that maybe would have changed the outcome. Now I'm not saying that it's our fault. It's not about fault, but it's about continuing to have an, an internal locus of control to understand that as you exist in this world, like you you are contributing to the outcomes that you're getting Mm -hmm. so um it's it's not all on you as an individual but especially with injuries I think it's it's good to be able to uh take that time to pause and consider what can you do differently and then after or in the process of healing to extend yourself some um some grace and some kindness Mm -hmm. and compassion uh, because injuries are very tough psychologically and you can beat yourself up about it or you can get like anytime you lose your physical ability or capabilities, it's just like, it it can be a real downer. It can be very depressing. So to be able to love on your body and should really give yourself some care um, again, in the culture that we're, we're in, we're always pushing, pushing, pushing to be productive. And, you know, sometimes injuries are a sign that we need to slow our roll a little bit. It can be a good message and a chance to, uh, um, kind of renegotiate our relationship with, with ourselves, uh, by, you know, giving ourselves some care and being able to, to not always feel like we need to be doing things, but we can take the time to, to, to restore ourselves and heal up as needed. So uh, that's kind of my take on injuries. Yeah, no, it's so important. Like, I think not having the competitive, you know, the aspiration to compete can help to stay away from getting injured to extreme degrees. (laughs) But I am very much on the same boat of you as you that you know, if you're going to be moving your body and exploring what your body's potential is, then you're, as you learn, you're probably going to make some mistakes along the way and possibly injure yourself. But with time and patience, it can heal. And there are techniques and things to help possibly speed up the process, you know, strategies to improve blood flow, all of these things. Um, but yeah, they can definitely take a toll if you kind of what we've been discussing like if you if you're not listening to your body along the way when it's like giving you those little whispers of like oh that doesn't feel so good and then you go back again the next day and it's like oh it still doesn't feel good and you keep pushing it like that's yeah that's not so good (laughs) for coaches and and just you know a point about you know just basic human psychology whenever we're in this, whenever we hire someone to coach us or train, um, there is this tendency uh, of wanting to please. Mm. And that, that, that like my coach said, I have to do this. And, and, um, that may be what the, what our clients hear, you know, uh, uh, coach says, I have to do this. And our clients will, you know, backflip and bend over backwards for us. I think it's very important for us as coaches to be very clear and direct sending the message that, you know, your job is to, to always be checking in and continue to listen to your body and, um, and, and not, not bypassing those signals 
for the sake of, you know, you've got to do the sets and reps as lined out. Whenever we're given a goal or we're given a bar to clear, you know, it's just in my experience as a coach, people want to clear that people want mm-hmm. that approval and want that validation. But what they don't always understand is that it's, it, it, it's more of a win to say, Hey, I, you know, I altered the workout today because, you know, I noticed I had a little, you know, tweak or a little nagging pain or a little signal. And I remembered what you said. And I decided to make a change to the workout because I wasn't a hundred percent today and I didn't want to get injured. You know, to me, that's a much bigger win than, you know, completing the workout. But, you know, I hear clients all the time coming in, they're like, they feel like they failed because they didn't do the prescribed workout and constantly reinforcing the message. It's not about, you know, you, you know, doing all this work to receive my approval. This is about the process that we're in. Um, So I think that's really important because, you know, if you set the bar, people want to crush it um, because that's how we're, that's how we're taught to view um, progress and and performance. Yeah. I think, um, that's a really great point. I've seen that too with clients and, and especially in regards to nutrition, like you give them a plan. And I think as a coach, it's so important to emphasize the importance of communication. Like if you feel starving or if you feel like you're eating when you're not really hungry, all of these things, it's really important to, to know what's going on rather than them just sticking to what's on paper or whatever. Um, even though like it doesn't feel right for their body or it's not really heading in the direction that we want to go. So it can apply to nutrition. It can apply to movement and all of these things, but communication being on the same page as your client of what is the goal? Where are we trying to go? And like, what is reality with where you are at in your body and Mm -hmm. helping them to understand like, you guys are kind of learning alongside each other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to keep those goals in perspective. Like what is like, you might have these goals that are like landmarks to kind of gauge growth and progress, but I think it's important to emphasize the process Mm -hmm. and not ditch the process just and just focus on attaining those goals. Um, but, you know, in, in, in the world of, of counseling, you know, it's called um, uh, unconditional positive regard, you know, letting mm. your clients know that, you know, you, that they, they don't have to seek approval from you, that mm. they've got, they, they, as, as, as a coach or, um, you know, you've, they've, they've got your support, your full support. And it's not about, um it's not about constantly pushing ahead, but it's about learning and going through this process together. Uh, I think it's really important and powerful to, to frame the coaching relationship in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Just on the kind of following up on the injuries topic. Um, what about burnout? Is that something, I mean, you've already touched on it. You kind of got burnt out as an athlete. What about as an entrepreneur, how have you navigated periods of burnout? <laughs> it's been a lot of that. Um, uh, I always, 
as I'm navigating this space of being an entrepreneur and building a business and trying to do something that's a little bit against the grain, there's a ton of frustration. I get burnt out all the time mm. on it. The thing that I always come back to is my practice. And, and because movement is the thing that I'm teaching, I, I, I've learned, especially over the past, the recent years that I don't have to share or teach all the things, but I can save some of my practice that can be just for me. Mm. And um, I can always come back to movement and and remember the joy and the reason why I do this, no matter how frustrated I get, no matter when, on days when it seems like nobody's listening or the message just isn't getting out there, or I'm just getting overshadowed by, you know, other, uh, other, other messages out there. Um, I can always come back to my practice and, um, and, and even you know, physically, there are times when I'm run down, giving myself more and more permission to just, to just rest and do nothing and really listen to my body and, and, you know, go with the flow, the ebbs and flows that, that occur with my energy levels as I, you know, get older, I don't recover as quick and, mm. you know, it's okay to, to take time off. And I'm able to see that when I'm feeling burnt out, that's a sign that I can give my body more rest. And I'm in the act of resting. I am actually training. I am actually making progress. And that's, that's, re- that's a really tough one to make yeah. that connection uh, I really have to like keep practicing that. But when you make that connection that like you, you think of like, well, training is my job. Well, like rest is your job too, mm. if you're looking, looking to grow. So, you know, being okay with that and knowing that um, it's, um, it, it's what's going to allow you to avoid those injuries that you've occurred and incurred in the past. And it's going to allow you to avoid those plateaus and keep making progress by by doing nothing. I know that it really goes against our grind <laughs> culture, but it's absolutely true. You can't be, you can't be going hard at it all the time. Yeah. You said it so perfectly, like work recovery is part of the work and it's so hard to, to grasp, but it's, yeah, so, so true. Like it's, I don't even want, I was going to say like when you're resting is when you're like making the gains, but like, we're not just focused on gains, but it is like, yeah, that's when you are growing as, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, because you're allowing yourself to create that space or just kind of like step away from, um, pushing yourself or trying to always move forward and just kind of like take time to soak it in and reflect on, on your path and where it is that you're heading and all of these things. Um, yeah, I like that answer. (laughs) I think, I think we set up a lot of hard and fast rules about when to train and when not to train and when like everyone wants to know what the perfect split is or the perfect Mm. routine. And when it comes down to it, like I said, eventually the lines blur and it just becomes a practice. And I think it's important every day to check in with, with your body and have a real conversation with yourself, uh, an honest conversation about what's going to be in the best interest um, for you and your goals on, on this given day and be able to, if, if, if that's active recovery, then, you know, spending your time stretching and moving gently and, you know, everyone wants to, to talk about discipline, to do a super hard workout that leaves them 
totally crushed. I think it's more difficult to use that discipline to rein yourself in and do some of the work that you don't necessarily want to do that's contributing to your overall growth. Um, Use your discipline to to step back and say, hey, I need a rest today. And that's, um, again, that's an incredibly valuable life, life skill as well. Yeah, I think um, it's a huge sign of emotional maturity from my perspective of as an athlete getting to the point where you can say, okay, rest is actually in my best interest today, even though I am a very active person and I want to go do the things. It's like this is actually, you know, thinking from the perspective of like I'm setting the example for my clients. What would I want them to do? Well, I have to practice what I preach and be in integrity with that. So like, let me come back to this grounding practice today and turn off or put the blinders on. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing on social media and the work will always be there. So it kind of, you know, the same message for that applies to like how to avoid injury is also how to avoid burnout, whether you are an athlete or going down the path of becoming an entrepreneur as a new coach and trying to navigate this world, we can like still apply those same lessons. Would you say that your background in yoga has helped you in this regard? Like I hear you say you have this practice that's just your own, this movement practice. So it kind of reminds me of like that grounding element of yoga. Uh, Yeah. Yoga was great. Um, I, I spent enough time with the practice to take kind of what I needed mm-hmm. and, and then I was able to move on. I, I didn't necessarily feel a resonance with any specific community um, and, you know, any, a, any and every community gets a little weird when you look out on social media and, you know, you start having these archetypes and you, you know, you just, everyone has like a stereotypical image of, you mm-hmm. know, a yogi or a powerlifter or a crossfitter, or, you know, we all start to develop these archetypes based off <laughs> of uh, stereotypes and, and commonalities. And, you know, I'm always encouraging like individuality, like, so go play in different communities, take what you need and, and start to synthesize, like bring in the elements that resonate with you and, and add them into your unique thing. So I would have no problem going to a yoga class and feeling, feeling at home on the mat. My, a lot of the practice that I do is inspired by things that I've done in yoga, or it looks very similar to yoga. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, again, when you, zoom out far enough it, it just all becomes movement and yeah. all of these and and all of these these boundaries and compartments that we put things into or boundaries um just don't seem to matter as much when you just see it as ways different ways that we move our body and you know some of the same movements are used in yoga as they are in dance and capoeira so, yeah. it, you know, who's to say that any movement belongs to any one discipline? I just think that's a ridiculous idea. But, you know, yeah. take, t- take, take a movement, see how it feels in your body, play with it and make it your own. It doesn't, it's, it's, it's all, it's all open source. It doesn't, it has no proprietary belonging to, to any one discipline. So I think that's a, another really hard mental obstacle for people to get over but Mm. um yeah but if you really resonate with yoga and that's your tribe that's your community 
like do it that's great yeah and stick with it and 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 I think the maybe one of the the goals there is, is is in being part of a community is to 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 as as you start out you're learning you're absorbing and then as you become a, a veteran or a senior member of that community then you have an opportunity to to give back and hold that space for other people and and, and help them grow and, and find their own way in the practice you have that choice or you can you know kind of hold people to set standards of like you know <laughs> it has to be done this way it's got to look like this and but um, yeah, I think to me, that's what a community looks like. It's circular, it's inclusive, mm-hmm. uh, it's accepting of differences and it's supportive. And if that's what you're getting out of any community that you're in, then I'm all for it. Yeah, totally. Because I think people will like find individuality, even if they do follow the masses, kind of like what you were saying, if they want to be part of that bigger community. But then there's other people who are like, no, I just really want to like, go this direction and like find my own way that no one else has traveled before kind of like pioneer and and create something new so whatever you feel called to express yourself or however you feel called (laughs) absolutely I just feel like you know it's it's just you know allow people to have the experience that that they're, that they're having really mm. and especially important within a community it's like not holding people to doing doing to, to rigid dogma is where I start to, you know, kind of push back a little bit. I want people to have that space to be part of something, but within that space, feel free mm-hmm. to express who they are, you know, freely and fluently. And to me, that's authenticity. Yes. A thousand percent. Um, what about, do you have any like particular morning routine or like mindfulness practice, or is it kind of all within your movement practice? Um, it ebbs and flows. Again, my practice is waking up in the morning and asking myself, having a conversation with myself about what I need. My brain might have some ideas about, I want to train hard and I want to do this, this, and this, and have a a whole to-do list. And my body might be really run down and I need to change that plan. Mm. Um, my morning routine is, um, you know, I'm not going to like, I, I know it's like, I do a bunch of breath work and then I take a cold shower <laughs> and then I do movement and then, I, and then I have a perfectly optimized meal. Like, no, I just, <laughs> I just check in and I really, I, I spend some time in the morning considering what I need on that day mm-hmm. and what my, what my, my body needs, what, uh, my mental and emotional health needs, um, and you know, I play it. I play it from there. But my morning usually starts off with um, uh, a little bit of movement. It might just be you know five to fifteen minutes, um, but just a little bit of movement, um, some coffee, and it, and, and kind of easing into to my work day. But uh, other times, if I'm feeling a little burnt out on on work, then I might you know kind of hang back and. Uh, take a walk in the morning or, you know, not jump into things right away. Um, every day is a little bit different, but I, 
I, I think uh, I've got all these little practices do, and that's when like, do I need to do some breathing? Do I need to do some stretching? Do I need to do some soft tissue work? Do I want to go for a walk or do I want to go for a run? Or, you know, I have all these little practices that I've collected over the years from trying all these different things, mm-hmm. running all these little experiments. Yeah. And I can, I can use those just as my toolkit to make a decision on, you know, what I want, uh, what I need on any given day. So again, you know, I, I think that the, the morning routine can be a, a slippery slope if, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just like autopilot. I'm just doing like, Oh, like I, I do the same thing every day without thinking about it. Like, uh, yeah. I'm saying slow down and think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I can totally see that. I think, um, yeah, it's all just experimenting of like what what works best for you and being open to changing as balance kind of shifts in your life over time. So just interested, interested to always hear what people have to say about that. Um, I'm curious how and I feel like I, I could guess the answer here, but how do you approach your programming? Do you kind of like look at a macro scale and go through periods of like generalized fitness and then more like specific cycles of training if you're like working towards a skill or does it kind of like ebb and flow based on the day um my personally my own training really just flows with the seasons so Mm. i have done this for long enough where i feel very confident in in what, how I define my fitness and what I'm after. Um, And you can't do everything all at once and you can't do everything, all the things all the time, right? So what I've found is just kind of a natural flow throughout the the seasons um, where uh, the summer months bring, emphasize certain aspects, generally doing more, I'm just spending more time outside, excuse me, um, spending more time running, walking, um, and sprinting, doing bike riding, doing outdoors things. Um, and I supplement that with, with just more stretching. Um, Mm -hmm. and then in the colder months, the indoor months, that's more weightlifting, um, little different forms of weightlifting and, um, generally more skill work, um, uh, like body weight and calisthenics skill work as well. So, um, and, you know, kind of the, the, the spring and fall are kind of transitional seasons. So, um, and that's not, there's nothing hard and fast about that either. No, no rigid boundaries because all year I'm kind of doing, doing what works and, and, and doing a variety of different types of training that, build my that encompass my practice but um it's it's generally in the warmer months I'm focusing on a certain set of qualities in the colder months I'm focusing on other things so uh and I find I've found that over the years like everything just stays in balance through that natural cycle um now programming as a coach has been different um figuring out like where people are starting at and 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 how to support them generally I'm talking about I get people um to start building a foundation of 
uh, and building a broader understanding and broader base of movement. Uh, and that's a lot of the things that I share on my YouTube channel and, you know, just start to get people to build the, the foundation of their practice and then start to track, you know, create programs that track in different directions, whether it be hit training or kettlebell training or more kind of complex movement training and locomotion or, you know, all these different avenues that you can take. Um, but, you know, I think that's the beauty of, uh, of, um, this looking at this as a journey is mm-hmm. it, you don't have to view it as like a, a in, in two dimensions as, yeah. you know, like point A to point Z. Yeah. Um, you, you can explore the terrain. You can wander around a little bit and start to start to see, you know, what really resonates with you as an individual and where you want to dedicate some energy and time and focus. And maybe you spend six to eight months working on kettlebells and then you dial that in, you feel comfortable there, you take it in a different direction. And I think the more you can do that, I think about it as like, um, you know, a series of spheres or like a solar system. Like you go over to this planet and you spend a little time building things up and then you jump over to a different planet, spend some time building it up. And then eventually, you know, the, 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 these these worlds just kind of start orbiting around each uh, other. Everything everything collide. comes together. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, do you want to talk about the different uh, programs you have for people? If anyone's interested in getting into more primal exploratory movement. Yeah. Um, so. I have a really great time sharing different aspects of my practice. Like I said, everything from the uh, mobility focused range of motion, uh, restorative movement practice, all the way up to some of the more intense and higher level skill stuff uh, like handstands and gymnastics rings. Um, And I share those, I share a little bit of everything on YouTube, but it's mostly the 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 basic stuff um but i have a channel on the playbook app that is has a a wide array of programs that people can follow along with and just get exposure to these different aspects of movements and i also have an online platform on my website movementparallelslife.com where i have all my classes and programs lined out in almost like a netflix style gallery where people can go and gain you know get some inspiration and some guidance to open up their movement practice. So the playbook app is better for if you, you know, like to access everything on your phone, that's great. Mm -hmm. If you're more of a desktop person, the, the website platform is, is a little bit better for, for that viewing experience, but really I just try to get the information out there. So, you know, people can start moving their body in different ways and start, you know, exploring and redefining what movement and fitness can mean to, to them as individuals. It's all a journey. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Um, Let's see. Uh, I want to chat a little bit more about what are some of your favorite books you have either gifted people or that you recommend the most to others? Oh, um, on the topic of play, it's just, <laughs> or there's just a book called Play by Dr. Stuart Brown that I'm always recommending. Um, 
another one that really helped me start to embrace a more holistic and uh, play-based approach to you know, not just my fitness, but my overall practice and, and lifestyle is uh, uh, Exuberant Animal by Frank Ferencic. Um, and if you are into uh, neurobiology, Mindsight by Daniel Siegel. Um, hmm. So those would be my, th my top three recommendations um, that uh, all three of them just start to come at, at uh, this whole idea of health and wellness from a more holistic perspective. Um, and I love that. I think, you know, as, as much as we can start to take things out of these, these isolated containers and start to see the connection uh, mm -hmm. between the ways that we move, the ways that we relate to ourselves and the ways that we relate to other people and the world around us, um, that really starts to open some things up and change, you know, um, change things. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I don't remember who it was, but there was a podcast I listened to a while back and it was a fitness professional talking about how he loves reading from all different types of genres because you can just like learn from outside of your niche and then make all these new connections and bring that information back into your perspective within your niche. So it sounds like neuro, you said neurobiology? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I might have to check that out because yeah, it's good to broaden your horizons as that's kind of been our topic for today. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, okay. Last thing I want to touch on is music because every time you post on Instagram, I swear I'm like, that's such a good song. That's such a good song. So would you say like, um, there's been certain music artists that have really like inspired you in your movement practice or like, yeah, is there a link there? My, um, as I started moving differently, my taste in music changed. And this coincided with kind of the emergence of Spotify as well. So it was huge. And like, I was mm. always one to, um, have my headphones in and always be training to music. And I, I, I rarely do that now. Um, but, uh, so I'm rarely just using music like in the background, but when I do have music on, it's generally like a, a pretty central part of whatever I'm doing, um, mm. at, at, at the time. So where, again, like I used to like put my headphones in and that would really help me kind of like it would help drown out the pain of running and I could run harder <laughs> and, and faster. Um, and, um, but now music is really something that supports the vibe of how I'm moving. And as I started to open up to moving in different ways that I didn't always have to be like, like rah, like super hyped mm. up beast mode. Um, all of a sudden my musical taste opened up to start to include just different, different energy. Um, and then Spotify gave me all this access to music that I would have otherwise never probably come across. So um, 
yeah, I definitely have a bunch of playlists on Spotify and I think like curating the music that you listen to and being intentional about that yeah. uh, can really add a lot to the experience, especially when you start to get into this idea of flow or expressive movement. I think, you know, it's such, if you want to learn how to listen to your body or if you want to get out of your head and just let your body move in a more a more spontaneous or organic way. I think movement for me, it's been a movement or music's been a great uh, driver for that. So uh, I like a lot of chill music, uh, chill electronic music and lo-fi music um, that, you know, but whatever, whatever like evokes emotion for you, whatever. And to maybe like, you know, if you're like the, 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 the super tough badass, like maybe like check out the side of you that's a little bit more sensitive. Like, and yeah. if you're like kind of like the sensitive, like, you know, like bleeding heart type person, then, yeah. you know, maybe, you know, try some music that has a little bit more like fire and in, in mm. to it. Like however you commonly identify, you know, I, I'd encourage people to like explore, um, explore your, you know, the sides of you other than that, you explore some movement or some music that might like facilitate exploring that. So I know that's like, that's kind of like getting out there a little bit. (laughs) um, Yeah. I think that's one of the beauty of, of music is that it, it, it allows us to get on a different level where we're not Mm -hmm. so caught up in thinking about things where we're just being a little bit more spontaneous. We're letting the movement emanate from 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 our body um and you know this idea of embodiment or flow um that's 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 just a can be a way to tap into that yeah yeah it just reminds me um like feeling the music like I have a Mm -hmm, lot mm -hmm. of background and like listening to hip-hop artists growing up and so like they talk about flow when they start to like rap and they just get in the flow and so you can see it in like dance and, and it kind of, for me, started with yoga, being able to like move on the floor. And then when I would have music in the background, it's like uh, kind of adding to the experience. And then I'm kind of like just feeling the music and letting it kind of like take me with the movement to, to listeners. Again, that might sound a little bit out there, but it's like, yeah, once you kind of like let go and can see movement as more of like a self-expression rather than like I have to do this with this goal in mind then it it changes the game a little bit (laughs) it does and it does it can sound out there because so much of what we do is so like is is so uh uh regimented but Mm. everyone knows what happens when you get a few drinks of in you and your jam comes on something <laughs> something like <laughs> the alcohol lowers your inhibition and the music pulls pulls something it 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 inspires something from within you and it's almost like uncontrollable yeah. so you know it's and it's not to say like have a bunch of drinks and and and, <laughs> and then and, go roll uh, around go on train. the floor <laughs> no but it's the same it's the same idea if you can open yourself up to allowing like to letting your guard down or letting 
letting your, you know, putting your, your brain activity on the back burner while you let your body take the lead. Um, yeah, it can be super, it, it, it's vulnerability. Uh, mm. and it, it can take a while to get over some of the mental barriers. Um, but if you can do that, it, it can be something very powerful to, to tap into and, um, just based on feeling. And I think if, if, if it's anything that, you know, I've really built my practice on is, you know, that's, that's how I, I, I listen to music based on how it makes me feel. I watch TV shows based on how the characters and the storyline makes me feel. I move based on how I feel mm-hmm. and I don't, um, I don't always have this like set plan or a perfect, clear mental picture of, of, uh, of, um, what I want to happen. And that hinders me in some areas, but I, I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, allowing yourself to be, be, you know, to be, embrace your feelings and be moved by your feelings. Um, to, to some extent, not, um, not completely, but to, to yeah. be open to that. Yeah. To yeah. That. I think, um, at least from my perspective, society likes to, or at least in, in recent years, um, feelings are kind of like looked down upon and it's like, no, just listen yeah. to the logic, the rationale brain. And like, yeah, you don't want to just, I don't know, live on a whim all the time and just go with a blow too much, but yeah, they're not emotions. I don't think are the enemy either. And they can actually, um, yeah, lead you to some really like magical places if mm-hmm. you allow them to. <laughs> and that's, that's another huge lesson for my practice is that everything, everything comes down to finding the balance point and it's mm. never a static point, but it's easy to go one way to be one way or the other, to go one way or the other. It's, mm-hmm. but I think the sweet spot for most things in life is finding the, the, the right balance um, in the moment. And that balance between thinking and feeling is is an important one to start to play with, but yeah, we do frame emotions and feelings as inconvenient. And, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we try to, but, but who wants to live life as a robot? And, and that's why I really just try to encourage people to open up and to be vulnerable and to feel some things because, um, we're all feeling things we all, and, and if you have the, uh, the strength and the confidence to go first, then that's usually rewarded with some validation or you're, you're helping someone else because they're going through something similar and they can identify with it. They can relate to you. And then you create connection. And then all of a sudden we're getting into something much deeper than just those gains. We're making, we're not just, just making those strength gains We're making human gains. Yes. And, and I think that's pretty cool. So much bigger. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of bringing it back to what we were talking about earlier, what I was talking about with coaches that are um, more, ex- more inclusive of like mental health and understanding that athletes aren't robots, humans aren't robots, like there's, you know, psychological obstacles that come up along the way as an athlete and as a coach and being able to like balance the the rationale and the emotions and like navigate your way through it it's all of practice like what we've been talking about today um 
I have a couple more questions for you as you were just talking about courage there. Um, what would you say? Well, let me kind of set this up. So aspiring coaches, they, they want, they know they want to give back to people via, you know, teaching them strength training or whatever. Um, but there's that like fear of taking that step and actually doing it. They just, it's like a far off dream, if you will. Um, so a lot of what I hear people is like, they're, they're being held back by these fears. So I'm curious to hear from you. What is like one of the big courageous things you have done for yourself? Or it, it's in the same breath. Like what is one of the scariest things you have done and overcome, but on the other side of it is all this courage you get to open yourself up to. Oh, <laughs> um, and it could be within the realms of like, yeah, entrepreneurship or your movement practice, or if you want to tie it into that. Um, I don't always give myself credit for it, but just having the courage to stick with this path and keep, keep putting in the work to share this message has been incredibly difficult it feels like, like I'm stumbling around in the dark. A lot of times mm -hmm. it feels like I'm swimming against the current and to, um, and, you know, to me, it's just like, it almost feels like I don't have a choice because I just believe in this message so much. And I have, I have gained so much personal strength and, and, and clarity from, from this kind of, from movement and, and living in these values and all these, these, these concepts. And um, yeah, but it, it, it's hard sometimes. And, and it's, it's taken a lot of courage to just keep, keep doing it. So mm -hmm. if you're a coach um, and you've got a message know that it's going to take some, some courage and some wherewithal to, to keep showing up and keep sharing that message. And one of the things that sucks about the fitness industry is it's oftentimes very uh, combative. You know, people mm -hmm. are really quick to like, say like, no, that's wrong. Like, that's <laughs> not how it is. It's like this. And, you know, there's, it's, it's interesting. It's, I don't see that as much in other industries. Um, mm. You know, there's more of an understanding that there's like, you know, different, different strokes for different folks, different right, things right. work for different people. But, you know, in fitness, there's a lot of like, that's just garbage. That's just <laughs> stupid. Why would anyone do that? You have to lift heavy all the time and be on the carnivore diet or like, no, that's like, no, everyone should be doing, yeah, whatever. You yeah. Know, it's, it, so it really like it, it you got to like plant your flag and like stick up for what you believe in and, mm. and probably have to deal with some criticism. But, you know, like I said, I think that uh, getting over the the getting over that hump of just sharing information, but to make a connection with people by sharing your story is really important. It takes a lot of courage. So, you know, I keep yeah. challenging myself to, to do that. I'm an introverted guy and um, you know, it's not super easy for me to like be out sharing like who I am through my content, but I'm trying to do that more um, because that's what gets your message to resonate. So yeah. Yeah. People like pick up on 
what pains have you experienced that I can resonate with and that type of stuff rather than just, he was really good at teaching me how to squat. Yeah. (laughs) Well, props to you for um, continuing this path. And I know it's inspiration for any new and aspiring coaches and it can be, it can be scary, like walking into the unknown, but it's also, like I said, in the same breath, just like, so rewarding to be like walking your truth essentially. So for Kellen movement parallels life, what, what is on the horizon for you? I I did put out a question on Instagram asking if anyone had questions for us. And one person did actually reply saying they saying Kellen is so helpful and I would love for him to do uh, teacher training. So just planting that seed for you. <laughs> but, nice, nice. Yeah, what's what's on the horizon for you? Um, I am currently building out a new website and a new platform to be able to share my classes and programs and allow people to uh, get in touch with me and book coaching sessions and things like that. Um, I've you know kind of dabbled with with some apps and things like that. And I really am just working on building a a larger hub for people to come uh, check out my practice, take what's useful to them and, you know, keep Mm -hmm. building their own thing. So yeah, that's, that's what's on the horizon now in this uh, uh, post COVID world, Uh, just continuing to grow the online business and uh, yeah, keep, keep, keep sharing the message. So it's a lot of work to navigate the technology, but um, yeah, just trying to get some help in that department and Mm. just keep, uh, keep, keep creating, keep creating. Yes, absolutely. Is there any other, um, well, I'll be excited to see the new platform once it's all done and best of luck to you in that process as entrepreneurship can bring many hats about trying to navigate the way, but it's always a interesting journey. Um, so yes, appreciate your time today. Is there any like final last words of wisdom or anything you want to leave with the people? Um, just keep playing, just keep playing. Mm-hmm. For, don't get so, don't get so hung up on the rules and the way things that have always been done, but, um, yeah, just, just, just keep playing, go back to whatever makes you, whatever makes you happy or all the ways of moving that, that made you happy as a kid, maybe start there and get back to building your fitness around the ways of moving that you love instead of, you know, all of these, uh, other goals that, that it may seem like more of a grind, yeah, find, find the love and, and keep on playing. Yes. Don't take life too seriously. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for tuning in to the Pursuit of Authenticity podcast. Our goal with this show is to help you understand how to build embodied strength, trust, and confidence around movement and nutrition so you can get past perfectionism, living in extremes, low self-esteem, and start living the sustainable, balanced, and empowered life you know you deserve. If you're currently struggling and looking to transform how you feel in your body, 
This is your calling to apply for coaching. Head over to our website and get started. And while you're there, sign up for our email list. You'll get a free download of our one-month program called Intro to Strength and Wellness. And if you enjoyed the show today, be sure to subscribe so you can be notified of future episodes. By following along, you will begin your journey to the pursuit of authenticity, also known as life. The life of creating ourselves to be exactly who we are supposed to be. Thank you again for your support and see you next time.